Good morning on a Monday from beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. This is Raw Tools. Today, we'll be hearing from Steven Gonzalez, offensive lineman for the XFL's St. Louis Battlehawks. He's competing for a starting job, and the Battlehawks season kicks off in February. St. Louis won't have its first home game until March 12th. Gonzalez was a three-year starter at Penn State and had some cups of coffee with the Arizona Cardinals and Buffalo Bills in NFL training camp. In NFL news, your Green Bay Packers are going home. The Detroit Lions pulled out a late win, clinching the seventh NFC seed for the Seattle Seahawks. And later this week, I'm going to have Michaela from the PNW Showdown podcast talking about the playoff implications and the draft implications for the Seattle Seahawks, pulling out an unlikely 9-8 season after trading away star quarterback Russell Wilson. What a turn of events, but the NFL script writers got it right, and Pete Carroll and Seattle are going to the postseason. It's been roughly a week now since the DeMar Hamlin injury on Monday Night Football The Buffalo Bills safety still in critical condition after going under cardiac arrest and losing his heartbeat. He was resuscitated on the field and is still in the hospital. However, there appears to be an optimistic bent to this now. He's in good spirits. He's tweeting. He's watching the games. Still listed technically in critical condition, but there appears to be progress for DeMar, and we continue to pray for him as he continues his road to recovery. That was a scary scene. Anytime in a crisis, something like that happens, it's devastating to watch. It was different, though, seeing someone's heartbeat resuscitated on the field. It was beyond words, and it affected a lot of people in the sports world internationally. And a week out from now, I think we can look at how it was all handled from the media perspective And from the league perspective, um, in a crisis, sometimes things don't happen on our, the viewer's time. I imagine the powers that be, the decision makers in New York who had the authority to cancel the game, might not have been paying attention in real time and didn't understand the gravity of the situation as it was happening like we did. There are many layers of communication from the ground all the way to the commissioner's office, and I thought that... Ultimately, they made the right decision, and leaning on the people on the ground in Cincinnati to make that decision was the right call. Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott can't go rogue and decide in the moment to cancel the game, even though after 15 or 20 minutes, that's what the common fan thought the reasonable outcome should have been. They got it right. I thought some major winners from this whole week were uh, were the local sports reporters who knew Paycor Stadium inside and outside, were able to get to the exact location where the decisions were happening, and were able to communicate that information in real time and put everything in context. They knew where Zach Taylor was going to be at any given moment. They knew who was discussing with who. I thought that they really benefited from it. They were MVPs. They got the facts right. They got the details right as the situation progressed and as the scene moved to the hospital. I saw 
a lot of reaction on Twitter instantaneously saying that ESPN shouldn't have stayed on live coverage. They should have cut to a game. They should have cut to something else. And I realized that people don't want to see the things that make them uncomfortable. And I disagreed in the moment with the viewers who didn't want the coverage to stay in Cincinnati. In that moment, I felt like it would have been callous to cut away from a situation that was so urgent and so newsworthy. In that moment, the world needed a team to wrap all that information together and make sense of it, even if they didn't have all the facts right at that moment. And I think Susie Colbert, Adam Schefter, Booger McFarlane, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and especially Lisa Salters on the sideline did the best they could and did a good job of keeping the coverage composed and focused. A live breaking potentially tragic situation could have gone off the rails. And it would have if the broadcast crew and production team stayed on one broadcast unit the entire time. It helped that they didn't stay on Joe and Troy the entire time, or on Susie and Adam and Booger the entire time. That's when things could have gone off the rails. There could have been speculating. There could have been projection with broadcasters feeling the need to say something to fill time. I thought with that many units and teams at play in different locations, and then relying on ESPN National and Cincinnati reporters to go to the hospital, they ended up putting together a pretty focused night of coverage together. We're hoping that DeMar Hamlin gets out of this okay, praying for his teammates, his family, and everyone affected by this situation. Contextualizing this a week later, I would ask, have we paid enough attention to player safety in college football? I know it's a different sport. However, it is one that is increasingly making more money and asking to play more games. In 2024, there will be a 12-team college football playoff bracket. Not this coming regular season, but the one afterwards. The idea of a 12-team college football playoff is great. You have more games, you have more revenue, you have more big games on TV, there's more competition, and more of a reason for fans across the nation to be locked in until the final seconds in November and December. However, I wonder how much impact that will have on players' health and safety and the undue stress it will cause players who are playing well into the winter months. This past season, the Athletic would put together a bracket each week of what a 12-team college football playoff would look like. And right before college championship weekend, they had a bracket. If we had video, I would pull it up. But hypothetically, those first four conference champions would get bye weeks, and then the 5 through 12 seeds would be at large. So for the sake of argument, One of those 5 through 12 seeds would have been LSU. Let's say, hypothetically, LSU loses the SEC championship to Georgia, as it did, and remains an at-large seed in the top 12. 
the Tigers would have to win four consecutive games to win the national championship, having already played 13, their 12-game regular season schedule, and then the conference title. 13 before the playoff, and then potentially four more to wrap up the season. You're asking a college student to play 17 high-contact, high-intensity football games to practice and then turn around in a month for the NFL Combine, the draft, and then kick off in August, maybe a little bit before that. And the likelihood of fatigue, of a potentially devastating injury, of exhaustion, is right around the corner. I would ask you, are we considering player safety enough in the collegiate game as it becomes more professionalized, as we see NIL, as we see this flood of opportunities come in financially for players and for TV contracts? Are we paying enough attention to the safety of college students? The gatekeepers of the sport determine how far we can go and what is ethically sound. No one will say anything about it until the effects on player safety go a bridge too far. And how far has college football gone? Pretty far. Five years ago, Jordan McNair at Maryland died after heat exhaustion from a practice. His coach, DJ Durkin, still has a high-profile job in college football. You think of many other instances just down the road at the University of Missouri in 2005 and other practice incidents. And it's not just happening in college football. This past week, Concordia University, Division Three school in Chicago, their basketball team sent five players to the hospital for an intense workout during practice. They had to cancel two games, sent five of their own players to the hospital. I ask you, as we pour out thoughts and prayers, as we look for a potentially happy ending to the DeMar Hamlin story, as we push for player safety and health and well-being, understanding that football, yes, is a violent game and that accidents do happen, are we prioritizing safety and health of these players so they can live successful and happy lives? couple other quick hits in the NFL before we move on to Steven Gonzalez. The Chicago Bears got the first overall pick in the NFL draft for the first time since the 1940s. If I'm Ryan Poles, the general manager, I am trading that first overall pick for a King's ransom. If I'm Ryan Poles, I am on the phone with every NFC South team yesterday and starting a bidding war. That division is so quarterback hungry, especially if Tom Brady leaves or retires, that I'm calling up Dave Tepper, Carolina Panthers owner, and saying, hey, what do you got? Maybe we work out a package for DJ Moore. What's a ransom of draft picks you can give me as this rebuild continues? I think the priority for the Bears should be protecting Justin Fields, right? They've got faith in Fields. He's athletic. He's smart. He's well-loved. He's charismatic. If Chicago truly believes in their quarterback who's going to enter his third season on a rookie contract, you do more than give him Chase Claypool as a wideout. You protect him on the line. You get him a left tackle. You get him a potential number one receiver. 
I am scouring the market if I'm Ryan Poles and protecting Justin Fields. Yeah, you could spend a pick on Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, but at, at what cost? How much does that really affect the franchise long-term? Are those guys even potential generational players on defense? Something to consider. And also, finally, the Houston Texans fired Lovey Smith after his one season as head coach, going 3-13-1. Lovey Smith, Chicago Bears fan favorite until the end, ruined the tank. The Texans were set to pick number one overall potentially get their franchise quarterback and Bryce Young out of Alabama. They still might. But they did go for two and beat the Indianapolis Colts. Final seconds of the 2022 regular season. That's kind of funny. The Texans botched the tank. They were clearly headed that way all season. The Bears were a less obvious tank. They were competitive in a lot of games. The wheels fell off the defense every now and again. Justin Fields, again, didn't have much protection and didn't have many reliable targets. But the Texans could have had the number one overall pick. Instead, they're going number two. They fire Lovey Smith, which I think speaks to the organizational discord in Houston. I would not touch that organization with a 10,000-foot pole. I've been to NRG Stadium. I like the atmosphere. I love that city. I love that stadium. But there's some volatility there that does not speak to what a professional environment should be in today's NFL. I think ultimately what they realized is we should have kept David Culley, who was also fired after the 2021 regular season, his only season as head coach. Cully was an offensive guy. He was well-liked by the players. And the Texans were close in many games in that 2021 campaign. Cully seems like the coach that they should have kept for the long haul, that they should have done the full rebuild with. Cully had so much to deal with. The whole Deshaun Watson sitting out the season and then allegations nonsense and then Lovey had to take that off his shoulders. Doesn't seem like the optimal place for a head coaching candidate to go, first time or otherwise. You think Sean Payton wants to inherit what's going on in Houston? I think Jim Harbaugh wants to do that. Even if you're Eric Bieniemy and just fiending for your first head coaching opportunity, I wouldn't touch that job at all. Hmm. Maybe they'll call Brian Flores. Nick Casario knows him pretty well. He was a three-year starter at left guard for the Penn State Nittany Lions, and now he's looking to earn a starting job on the O-line for the XFL's St. Louis Battlehawks. From training camp in Arlington, it's Steven Gonzalez. Steven, how are you? Great, Luke. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You told me you just got out of a team meeting not too long ago. What's the vibe down there in Arlington? Uh, vibe's pretty good. You know, all the guys are starting to click and get along, starting to, you know, put names to faces because we've been doing Zoom meetings for the past month. Um, but, you know, guys are just getting to know each other and the vibe's really good. Coaches are getting along with players, players are getting along with coaches and vice, you know, players are getting along with players, meeting staff. So everything's honestly been a really good vibe so far, I feel like. What was the main message out of that team meeting? 
Uh, kind of what just Coach Beck always preaches, his standards. Um, you know, just everyone has something that they're missing. Obviously, that's why we're here at this point. Um, so we need to kind of, you know, peel back the layers of the onion and, you know, just evaluate ourselves, what do we need to work on as players, you know, and, you know, they're going to be here for us to provide for us and to, you know, give us the best opportunity to, you know, try to make it to the next level because obviously that's the end goal for everyone here at the end of the day. Um, but obviously the m most important goal is to win championships, um, to win, you know, win a lot of games, win the season. So, you know, that's kind of just been the message he's been preaching, just, you know, trying to give back, uh, you know, trying to relate, not give back, but more relay the message to everyone, make sure everyone's on the same page with the same message. You've had a couple of years to peel back some of the onion in your own personal game. What are you missing? Um, I think what I'm missing, honestly, um, I mean, obviously, my in my game, I feel like, you know, I can develop, you know, faster feet, you know, get into the next level faster, you know, being able to move faster. I think I've gotten a lot better in that um, through training, through losing weight uh, since college and things of that nature, um, keep maintaining a low weight. But also just being more of a student of the game, I think I've really gotten, you know, that's one part of my game that, you know, especially like coming out of college, I, you know, and my first year in the league, I really needed to figure out like how to become a student. I think I've really, you know, gotten better in that. But obviously you can always improve. There's always room for improvement. You know, you always got to have just a learning mentality uh, and just try to be, you know, someone that's always adapting, always learning, always adjusting to new things. You mentioned your goal is to get to the next level, to the NFL. And you spent some time there, a little bit with the Cardinals, a little bit with the Bills. What was your main takeaway from those experiences? Um, Just the pace of the game, you know, mentally, uh, not only physically, because obviously physically everyone, you know, it's, it's a very high-paced game, but just mentally, you know. You got to learn a whole playbook right away. You got to learn a whole new system, a whole new calls. Um, you got to mesh well with teammates. You got, especially as an offensive lineman, all five guys kind of have to perform as one. So it's just really the the mental, you know, the mental part of the game, really trying to improve on that. And I think, you know, honestly, that, that was honestly the biggest thing for me, you know, real, you know, coming out of college and going into the professional league, just, you know, you got to be one step ahead mentally. You always got to just always be on top of everything, always be studying, always making sure you're, you know, taking notes and, you know, just being on top of your on top of your game. When you were out of the league and were looking for a place to play, how did you mentally cope with that and being able to adjust and get yourself to that next level, even if you weren't getting consistent reps? Yeah, I mean, it was very tough. Um, I mean, that's also part of, you know, the reason why I'm here. You know, I was obviously, you know, missing reps, missing opportunities. Um, you know, COVID made that very difficult, especially my first year. My second year with the Bills, uh, when I was with them, it was a little bit better. But, you know, just trying to get reps, trying to get opportunities, trying to get myself out there so that teams are able to notice me. Um, and I think, you know, being now here in the XFL, you know, being with the St. Louis Battlehawks, I think, you know, and obviously Coach Beck and his staff provided me that opportunity. But now I'm able to showcase my talent, showcase what I can do, you know, get reps, get opportunities so that I can take that step to the next level. And also this would be a good, you know, time to prepare myself, you know, mentally, um, you know, get back into the swing of things, you know, from a football aspect because I haven't done things like that, you know, in the year. So it'll be good to kind of get back into the swing of things for sure. Never been to St. Louis before. I have not. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to visit, though. I'm definitely excited to visit, but I unfortunately have not been to St. Louis. It's got a lot of character, a lot of history. I'm sure you'll you'll fit in quite nicely. You mentioned that right now you're putting names to faces. You've done a lot of interaction over Zoom call. You've played against some of these players in camp with you as well. Who are you hitting it off with immediately? Uh, obviously, my old lineman, uh, you know, Shane Carpenter, Jared Jones Smith, you know, those guys, we've been really clicking it off, uh, you know, you know, getting meshing well together, talking, you know, a lot, socializing. Um, um, also, my camp roommate, Ryan Willis, obviously quarterback. He's, you know, we've been talking a lot and, you know, he's a really funny guy, a really good dude. So we've been meshing pretty well. And then I know a lot of guys that used to play at Rutgers and things of that nature. So, you know, Drew Singleton is one, for example, that I know um, we've been talking and things like that. I also know Kareem Walker, one of the running backs. Um, you know, we got recruited at the same time. So, you know, it's just good seeing a lot of faces that I haven't seen in a, in a long time and also learning new faces, obviously. It's good. What's a funny Ryan Willis anecdote you can share? He is a joke teller. He has a lot of jokes. He was telling me like a million of them, like maybe an hour or two ago. Um, I, if I, I couldn't, I could not recite to you any of these jokes. You would have to ask him, uh, but he has, a lot of good jokes. He's a very good joke teller. He's a funny guy. Um, like I said, he's a really funny guy. Really good roommate, too. Good and humble dude, but definitely has a nice he's he has a serious side, but he also has a nice jokester side and you know, a nice side where you know he's able to just mesh well with teammates and you know socially in that aspect. You mentioned he's a good roommate. Is he creeping in the shadows behind you or on the other side of the camera? He, he's not here right now. No, he's not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. You, you mentioned uh, knowing a few guys from Rutgers. Uh, you're from New Jersey. You took in the Rutgers Penn State game this past year, right? Yes, I did. I did go. Did you ever consider going to a RU? I thought about it, um, but I felt you know my opportunity and you know things I could have done at Penn State, which I you know eventually did accomplish a lot of the things that I wanted to do. I was able. I felt like I was able to do it at Penn State. Um, felt like you know Penn State was you know obviously in a bad situation with sanctions and things like that. So, you know, I saw it as an opportunity for myself to you know get in the mix right away and to be a part of something special, which is eventually you know what we became during my time there. You know, we won a Fiesta Bowl. We won a Big Ten championship. We won a Cotton Bowl. Like so, we had a lot of uh, a lot of success. So, you know, I was happy that I was able to be a part of that, and I think that was honestly the the main point for me as to why I didn't go to Rutgers, just because I felt like you know there was more opportunities at Penn State. I just visited State College for the first time this past year when they played Northwestern, there was the hurricane residual rain game. Okay. So everyone was drenched. Everyone was freezing. Um, but it was my first time yeah. staying in Belfont, checking out the area. And it just seemed like it was oh, yeah. this passionate, fiery fan base. I respected James Franklin for a long time. And, you know, coach pretty well. It just seems like it's yeah. the perfect place to develop a lineman, for example, to, to be NFL professionally bound. Definitely is. And Coach Franklin, his staff have always done a good job, especially Coach Franklin, just instilling, you know, his standard for every player, for his staff. And everyone kind of follows that standard. You know, nothing's changed, obviously, since I've been there because, you know, he runs a very tight ship. But he's, like I said, a very good coach. You know, he's he's helped me develop so much. He's gotten me to where I am today. You know, uh, obviously, and all the other coaches that have had a part into it as well. But 
you know, yeah, Happy Valley's a different place. Uh, Penn State's a different place. It could be pouring rain like it did in that Northwestern game, and you'll still have 100,000 people there cheering their heads off for for the team. So it's definitely a special, special atmosphere, a special, special place to be. You're a few years removed from college. What do you miss the most? Oh, I'd say just the day-to-day life and then obviously like game day. I miss the day-to-day life. You know, college was, you know, a pretty fun time for me, good experience. Um, So, you know, just going to class, not having too many responsibilities other than class and football is really, really easy. Uh, You know, you're not really an adult technically yet. Um, and then obviously just game day. Game day is just it's special. It's different. You know, the white owl, you know, that that's just one of the things. But every game day is just fun. You know, those fans will come out to any game, even no matter if you're playing Ohio State or if you're playing, you know, uh, Toledo. Like, it does not matter. Like, they'll show out for any game. And it's just a different atmosphere over there. There's a little bit of a geographic connection between you and Coach Bex, he's from Eastern Pennsylvania. You're from New Jersey. He played for the Jets, still has a connection to that organization. How much communication and bonding have you two done? Uh, we've had a lot. We've, you know, we've kept in connection. Uh, we've been talking since, like, I'd say July, August. Um, you know, he's he's followed me on Twitter for a long time, I guess, because I'm a Jersey guy. So, he, you know, he loves his Jersey guys. He likes to follow all of them, keep updated on them. Um, and when I saw he had the job, you know, I – you know, he met, he actually reached out to me. Um, and then obviously we built a connection from there, but you know, like I said, the Jersey guys got to stick close together. Um, and you know, I just appreciate him for giving me the opportunity, appreciate him for bringing me on the team and, you know, trying to make the most of this opportunity. You mentioned he went over his standards during the team meeting. What specifically did he articulate as important for this football team? Uh, just competing competing um you know we're all here for a reason we all want to get to the next level they all want to help us get to the next level the way to do that is to win games um to learn the offense fast to learn the defense fast to just learn the whole system so the only way to do that is to have you know an adjustable mentality and, and what i mean by that is you know you got to be able to adapt to learn you know to adjust to new things and um obviously compete competes the most important thing you got to come every day and work hard train hard, you know, and just be ready to go every single day. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to research you, know your backstory, know how you got to this point already. How important has family been to you in taking this leap of faith and competing to be a professional football player? Very important. Very important. My family's always been very supportive of my career. Um, My dad, you know, he passed away when I was 16, but football was always very important to him. Um, he, you know, he instilled that to me at an early age. So, you know, football's kind of always revolved around our family, especially since I've been playing. You know, it gives us more reason to love the sport more. Um, but, yeah, they, they support me 150%, you know, in any decision I decide to make. Um, and they were super happy the minute I got drafted. Like, they were very ecstatic. So, you know, they're happy to see me here, happy to support me yet. Yeah, thinks that, you know, I'm in Texas and far away from them, but, it's business. It's what I got to do. You know, they're always, and they're very good travelers. So they'll come to pretty much every game. <laughs> What's the most important lesson your dad taught you? I'd say the most important lesson he taught me was to always work hard in everything I do. Um, no matter, you know, yeah, you're going to have your days where you're feeling bad. You're going to have your days, you know, where you're not, feeling at your hundred percent 
Um, but always just make sure that, you know, you're coming to, you know, you're coming to work with a good attitude. You're coming to work hard. Um, and in anything you do, no matter if it's football, if it's schoolwork, if it's, you know, just day-to-day life activities, always just have a good mindset about everything and try to, you know, attack everything, you know, with, at your full potential. Yeah. It seems like you've got a great support system behind you, that game days are going to be exciting. What are you looking forward to when you all eventually come up and start playing weekends in St. Louis and all over the country? Super excited for the fans. I mean, I heard St. Louis has some crazy fans, and, you know, I'm used to that at Penn State. You know, we have crazy fans, so I'm ready for that atmosphere. I, You know, I embrace that. I love it. I love, you know, when fans are into the game and, you know, they're very supportive of their team. So I'm honestly just excited to see the new city of St. Louis. You know, like I said, I've never been there. So I would love to, you know, see it, visit it, um, and definitely just, you know, feel the game day atmosphere for the St. Louis Battlehawks. I mean, that's definitely something that I'm super, super excited for. I think we have the best fan base in the XFL. I don't think I know. They're very rabid. They, you know, Miss having their NFL team there. I used to live just a couple of blocks away from where the Super Bowl winning Rams played downtown. It's uh, it's a beautiful place and uh, it's a unique yeah. city. Uh, Steven, the floor is yours. What else would you like people to know about you? Um, I mean, I, I think you said a lot of it, but I think one thing is, you know, I haven't had a lot of opportunities, you know, come, since coming out of the league, you know, coming out of college in 2020, you know, obviously COVID, you know, kind of messed up those opportunities. It, you know, it hindered them. Um, you know, I try not to make excuses. I try not to use that as an excuse. But, you know, I'm glad that I got an opportunity. I'm glad I get to represent the city of St. Louis. I appreciate Dave Bowler. I appreciate Coach Beck, Coach Pearls, all of them for bringing me on, um, having me a part of this team. And, I just can't wait to contribute back to the city, to the fans, to the team. And I'm just ready to win some games, honestly, and win a championship. Steven Gonzalez, thank you so much for your time. Good luck this season. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Luke. Appreciate you for having me on.